Welcome to the Self-Made Mind Podcast. We'll be bringing you real-life, honest conversations with some of the world's elite performers, from sporting athletes to millionaire CEOs and everyone in between. Success leaves clues. And it's now our mission to deliver these stories so you can start writing your own self-made script. Okay, hello, hello everybody. It's uh, episode number 10 of the Self-Made Mind podcast. Um, my name's Alex O'Keefe. And I'm Craig Billington. Yeah, and thank you. This is going to be the, the finale episode of um, the first series. So um, it's been quite a journey so far, Bill, hasn't it, pal? It's been a very, very <laughs> interesting journey. It has, um, it has been a very interesting journey, yeah. Yeah, we've uh, spoke to some great guests and we are, as this as this airs, I think we'll be coming up to our 1,000th download, which is a, a great little milestone, mate, isn't it? Uh, didn't really, yeah. didn't, know, didn't know what to expect, did we? But it's, it's been taken really well by everyone and, uh, you know, we're very grateful, guys. So just, I know, yeah, it's yeah. been... Uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a bit of a roller coaster. I mean, been some good points, and to be fair, I haven't had any really bad points. Like I no. say that, but there's been no bad points. It's been no. uh, it's been really good. I've enjoyed it so far. So yeah, it's been good. Yeah, man, it's cool. Um, so just just before we we get started, um, just tell us about what you've been up to this week, Bill. What what is it you've been up to? Um, so obviously we're still in uh, lockdown. Um. So, um, but on, on top of just getting work, some work done and, and obviously the usual spiel of, of homeschooling and, and stuff like that these days, yeah. we've, um, taken on a bit of a charity challenge, me, you and, and some other lads and been trying to get some running miles in, which, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in quite <laughs> a bit of pain, but yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, we, we, we're actually, uh, we've, some some have called us quite insane to do it, but it's it's all for a good cause. We're we're, we're raising. We want to raise ten thousand pound for Andy's Man Club, which is a, a male suicide prevention charity. Uh, do some amazing work, don't they? It's you know one of our mates, Lou Campbell, that's uh, the founder of that charity, and they're all doing amazing things, man, throughout the country. So it's just our little contribution. We're going to try raise ten thousand pounds. We're doing a challenge called. Uh, 4x4x48, which is from David Goggins, the nutter himself, people yeah. that know him. Um, so we're going to be running four miles every four hours for 48 hours. So, yeah, we've been out this week, haven't we, preparing that? <laughs> we have, yeah. Like, I probably should have been out a little bit more, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's good. It's good. We've been, get, we've been getting it, mate, so... We will get there. So anyway, this week's episode, we have got the man, Adam Fogarty. Yeah. He is probably best known as uh, Gorgeous Judge from Snatch, yeah. the big man. Um, he's actually from Halifax, from where, from where we are, so it made sense to try and get him on. Um, so yeah, he's just got a, such an amazing story. He started as a professional boxer uh, sorry professional rugby league player and then he went into professional boxing he, he ended up fighting Tyson Fury's dad at some point which is interesting yeah. to hear about and uh, and then he's he's got into the world of acting and bloody hell he's he's appeared in some, some pretty big films mate aren't they he has yeah some big films with some pretty big stars as well to be honest and um, <laughs> yeah uh, and it's got some pretty cool stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, that we've got the snatch, um, which obviously directed by Guy Ritchie. Got Brad Pitt in that. Um, mm. He's appeared in Legend as well, uh, which features Tom Hardy. The story about the Cray Twins, Mean Machine. Yeah. What a classic! Um, great, great film. Great film. Great film. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and loads of other stuff. So he's he's um, he's got a great story and very inspiring as well. So yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's get it shared then. And also at the time of recording this, 
it's Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day to all you two lovers out there. Um, just out of interest, Bill, what what's a romantic lad like yourself doing for, for your partner? Um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be totally honest and probably gonna get a little okay. bit of a stick for this, but I, right. I, I don't really celebrate Valentine's Day. Um, okay. I'm okay, just man. one of them. But tonight, I think we're gonna watch a film and have some food. You know, as a usual <laughs> night would be like that. I see yeah, it as yeah. a normal day. But, you know. Yeah, yeah, I do as well, mate. To be fair, but yeah. Anyway, happy Valentine's Day for those who do celebrate it, and uh, the ones yeah. that. The ones that don't haven't quite found the partner yet, just uh, you know, just keep hope. Keep, the one yeah, will come. Keep, the one will come yeah. to you soon. Don't worry about it. Mm, yeah, definitely. <laughs> anyway, enough of this bloody cupid talk. Let's <laughs> uh, let's get on with this week's episode. So uh, yeah, here we go, mate. Adam Fogarty yeah. coming up. Okay, a massive welcome from the Self Made Mind podcast to our guest this evening. It's the big man, Adam Fogarty. Welcome. Hey, lads. Thanks for inviting me. No problem. Fellow fellow Halifax lad, it'd be, be rude not to really, I suppose, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, hometown, lads. Yeah. Saying that, I was born in Oldham. I was born in Oldham. Oh, so I grew up. Oh, I've lived most of my life. My dad played rugby league for Halifax. and uh, right. yeah. He was from Oldham and he met my mum and uh, right. he dragged her back to Oldham, but then she dragged him back to Halifax. So it was a tug of war and we, we ended up <laughs> Halifax. Right, we'll, we'll class you as a Halifax lad anyway. Yeah. Well, I spent most of my life there, so... Yeah, yeah, we'll take that. Right, pal. Yeah, so, like I say, ple- pleasure having you with us uh, this evening, pal. Um, just like any, any good story, um, we'll start from the beginning, if that's all right. And if you just want to... Tell us about your your childhood and your your upbringing, if that's all right. Yeah, I was lucky because I had uh, I was born to great parents. You know, I was delivered by Doctor Step. So, and you're probably thinking, so what? But Doctor Step to invented the test tube baby, and uh, I always wondered, like, you know, did he look at me and think I can make better than this in the <laughs> test tube? But uh, so I was dealing with famous people from the minute I was born. You know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it was in Oldham, Boundary Park in Oldham, not far from the football ground. Mm. So uh, my dad was a rugby league player. And he'd met my mum in Halifax mm. on a blind date, funny enough. A famous rugby league player called Jim Mills said, uh, I've asked a girl, like, but she won't come unless you can bring a friend. Do you want to come out? So my dad said, yeah, I'll come with you. Like, you know, and that blind date ended up being my mum. So the... Yeah. Uh, Right. That's how it all started. A blind yeah. date, my mum and dad. It wasn't Silla Black, was it? No, no. <laughs> but uh, I used to like that program. So that's how it started. I grew up, you know, we, uh, like I say, my dad uh, was from Oldham, my mum was from Halifax. We were a bit of a tug of war there. And uh, my mum ended up winning and dragged him back to Halifax. And I grew up there most, you know, most of my life. My dad had a. Uh, like played for Halifax, but he also had pubs, and then he got a nightclub, and you know it was quite uh, quite good being a kid because you know there was always something going on, you know, in the pubs. Or we lived above one of the pubs when I was really younger, and you know, whenever you walk downstairs, there was someone around, and so yeah. it was a great lifestyle, really great, you know. Mm. Lucky yeah. to have a you know great parents, and yeah, that's how it started. And, yeah. Brilliant. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask what pubs what pubs were there because my mum used to run pubs as, as, when I was a kid. So it was just like... Yeah. yeah. It was, my dad had the Golden Lion at uh, High Road Well. Right. Yeah. So just up facing, uh, I think it was the Brown Cow and there's a horse and jockey and up there, the Stewart's Hardware Shop. And next door, Stewart's Hardware Shop is... Uh, Bob Kemp's Fish and Chip Shop. And I, I grew up on Bob Kemp's Fish and Chip Shop. It was straight across the road from Golden Line. And I must have been one of his best customers from a very young age. But, uh, yeah. and it turns out like, you know, unfortunately Bob passed away mm. about three or four months ago now. So I, I bought his old chip shop. Right. It's uh, got a lot of family history to me. So yeah. Uh, yeah. we've called it Summer Haywoods after my little girl. But, uh, 
I've got a picture of Bob and Rita up in there because, like I say, I grew up in there as a kid and, yeah. you know, the, it, it feels like home, that area, you know what I mean? Even yeah. After all these years, it still feels like home, you know. So, yeah. Where, yeah, where, so is, where is that? Sorry, mate. So just just so up, you know, local well, people can pop in. Yeah, up high road. Well, it is. Uh, right. You know, like I say, it's uh, the gold mine now is no longer a pub that got converted into a flats. And, uh, right. But uh, that's where you know I spent most of my well at a young age, and then mm. my dad moved to Isle of Man. The moment we all moved to Isle of Man for a couple of years, mm. and then. Uh, me and my brother started obviously getting older and I went into boxing. My brother went into basketball, so we both uh, flew from the island and uh, in the end, my mum and dad decided, well, it's no good being there if, you know, they want to come watching us box and want to come watching us play basketball. And uh, yeah. So they slowly got dragged back and, you know, that's how uh, I got into the boxing. My brother played for Manchester United, funny enough, at basketball. Well, all them years ago, they had a basketball team. Right. And I ended up going to London and uh, signing on for Terry Lawless. And he managed me in the boxing career. And when I finished, I was ranked third in England, fifth in Europe in the heavyweight division. Right. So, oh. you know, that's how I, that's what, that was my first sports career, yeah. professionally-wise. I played a bit of amateur, not amateur, I played for Halifax Academy rugby league mm. but then decided I wanted to have got you know boxing and uh, I think I've watched the Rocky films too many times and fancied <laughs> being Rocky Balboa you know yeah yeah but, uh, I, I got into it you know I really dedicated I dedicated myself to it and uh, mm. you know it was a funny sort of thing because I don't know how much I enjoyed it really mm. it was like just a chance that you know to get somewhere and make money and you know Sort of thing, be the everywhere champion of the world, and uh, you know, if you're gonna dream big, you might as well. If you're gonna dream, dream big. You know what yeah, I mean? There's no, uh, yeah. no point in thinking I just want to win an area title or uh, have a crack at a British title shot or European. You know, it were mm. world title or no. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. no point in being in it. Like, so I was lucky. You know, you know, the, I found the idea I trained. You know, the idea you tried. You know, at times the lucky you got because at first I never fought amateur. I uh, I went straight professional because you could do that at that time in a way because a lot of the heavyweights outside the top, say twelve, were like not very good. You know, really not a very good standard. So you could go professional as a heavyweight mm. and learn learn on the job. Really, right. you know, they get they let you do like six two minute rounds and things like that. And, you know, to bring you along slowly. So that's how I started. And, you know, it went, went well. I kept winning. I think mostly at the beginning with more fitness and determination than style or skill. But uh, yeah. like I say, when I finished up, I was terrible. I used to manage uh, Frank Bruno and, right. and quite a number, Jim Watt and uh, quite a few world champions. You know? mm, yeah. So it was great. You know, I moved down London to Romford and I was living down there. But... Going back to what you're asking me to talk about, the mind, I was lonely. I found it very, very lonely down there. You know, yeah. I had friends living with me. And, you know, that was great sort of thing. But, like, you know, if they had to go back or all like that, you know, I didn't want to... In a way, it were hard. I found that harder than the training, you know, the filling in uh, time yeah. in between training. Mm. You know, I was lucky that it's... I never found the boxing game a sort of game where you make friends at the gym. Because you do in other weight divisions, where you know, but to make friends with other heavyweights or whatever that you you're gonna spar with and train with, and a lot of lads, you don't all live in the same area, you know. You you, you descend on these gyms from all over the shop, sort of thing. So you know, you might live nowhere near them. So you know, you never. It was a bit of a lonely, lonely place I found. You know, when I was boxing down yeah. there, you know, I used to look forward to getting home at weekends, but. Uh, you know that's part of the part of the ride, isn't it? Part of the dedication and so. Know. So was that, was that your kind of only aim at that time? Uh, would you say would, that was your like one track mind? You wanted to be 
world boxing champion. Is that, is that what you say? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like I say, if you're going to dream, dream big. It weren't. I don't think anyone sets off in sport. You know, if you're going to be a footballer, you want to play for Liverpool, don't you? Or, sure Everton, don't or Juventus. <laughs> you don't think, oh, I'm just going to, I want to play for, I don't know, what was that advert? I can tell you whether he's Accrington Stanley. You know. Who the hell are they? Yeah, I'm going to put it in and I want to play for Accrington Stanley. You know, you always dream of the big, big things, don't you? And, uh, that was the goal. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, it fell short. I uh, I walked away from the boxing game. You know, I uh, had a bit of contract trouble with, with Terry Lawless and Mickey Duff. And uh, at the time, I think, you know, being honest with myself now, I used it as an excuse to be able to come home. Because I was lonely, you know, I didn't really like living in London full time. Yeah. yeah. Did, so did did you have a um, think one of your fights? Could you tell us about that? Was it with, was it with um, Tyson Fury's dad? Is that is that right? Yeah, John. Yeah, yeah. I thought John. I think it was my second pro fight, and it was John's first pro fight. Right. He'd had a lot of bare knuckle fights, apparently. John, you know, <laughs> King of the that, Gypsies, yeah. you know, and, uh, yeah, King of the Gypsies. And on the night, like, you know, I remember uh, it was noisy. He brought, like, brothers and a lot of friends with him, sort of thing. And to give John his credit, you know, I think I, I knew about the fight coming up. I didn't know I was fighting, you know, they were looking for an opponent. But I think John got the nod uh, the day before or something like that. You know, it weren't, uh, it weren't, it didn't get much warning that they, you know, that they were going to fight. And we fought and it went on point and, and, you know, it was an hard fight. He was a tough fella, the more I hit him the angry, angrier he got, you know, like, you know. so I think, you know, I, I think that it was third round, I, I hit him with a good right hand, you know, and he went down, mm. and I thought, brilliant, and I'm walking to the neutral corner, like, you know, and I looks around, and he's jumping up and stamping up and down and growling, and I thought, oh, Jesus, I see where Tyson gets his uh, recovery, <laughs> yeah. recovery from, because his dad was tough, you know, and uh, recovered quick. Yeah. And at the end, I always remember, like, you know, the, when the, I think it was six two-minute rounds, and at the end when the referee broke us apart, and, well, when when they said I'd won, you know, raised me hand, he jumped, picked me up and shook me up and down, and, you know, you know, and a lot of his friends and fans cheered, you know, I think it was like a sort of, yeah, fair enough, he beat me sort of thing, I outboxed him on the night. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so at that time none of us knew we were going to go on to be the the father of a a, yeah. a world champion like Tyson, and yeah. he's doing brilliant, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, he is absolutely. And uh, like you know, someone as young obviously you no know, struggles with uh, a lot of mental issues mm. and seems to be on top of it now, and it's good to see, isn't it? It's uh, mm. I think he's done a lot of great work for that sort of side of things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely raised, raised awareness for all the mental health and stuff, haven't they? He has, yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of people love him for that, you know, not yeah. only... I think when he started, he was trying to be someone he wasn't, and as soon as he started being, some, you know, who he is, people love him, you know, because he's, yeah. he's likeable, isn't he? You know, he's yeah. very likeable. Yeah. But I think the way, the way he handles himself now and that, I'm a fan mm. of him myself. Yeah. So, no, that's me, yeah. Claim to fame. I boxed his dad. It just makes me feel old, though. <laughs> what, you know, it's what, like watching rugby now. I watch yeah. rugby and I hear these names and I think, is that such and such a body's son who I used to play with? And someone will <laughs> say, yeah, that's his lad, you know. And you think, oh, yeah. yeah I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, just while we're, we're in that kind of section there, um, it's obviously we're, it's totally different era to what it is now. And, and like you say, you, you were feeling quite lonely and stuff in the sport. Um, is, do you think it was something you could speak about with other people at that time, you know, and kind of offload stuff like that? Or No, it weren't, you know, no. I don't know, you probably, you know, there's always been that, what is it, that phone line, but it weren't, I weren't depressed by it. It was just a case of that were part of the... Uh, part of the pill you had to swallow. You know, you wanted good sparring partners and... Uh, you know, to be learning off the top coaches, and they were in London, so it was a case of that were part of the part of the the journey or whatever you'd call it, the ride that I didn't really enjoy. You know, I bought an house down there, and uh, they, they gave me some money to sign on. I can't remember what it was now, but I bought my first house in uh, Romford, 
And I think it was 34,000. And I thought, Jesus, what happens if I get knocked out my next fight? How am I going to pay the mortgage? You know, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, it was, uh, yeah. it, it, looking back on it now, it's an, it's an experience that, you know, it didn't do me any harm. It makes you, uh, mm. you realise in a way that how lucky you are because, you, you know, you got all that good family or good friends and that to uh, to miss them, haven't you? To be able to miss someone. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I, uh, it wasn't something that killed me, but it was something that, you know, were, were, I wish I could have been doing it and make me, you know, proper home with just round corner. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Do you think it, like, Moving on to your next part, so obviously boxing career and then it was rugby. Do you think it helped you in your rugby career as well, the stuff that you'd learned from boxing? Just the whole mindset kind of stuff like... Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the hard thing about boxing is you, you learn how to become professional. You learn how to walk mm. to a boxing ring and fight, you know, because that's, I think, a half of it, the main... 90% of being a professional boxer has been there to fight in front of crowds and being there to put them out of your mind and, mm. you know, not go to pieces sort mm. of thing. So, uh, you know, you, I watched an interview with uh, Sting on television once and I thought somebody said it really struck home. Someone said to him, do you get nervous before now, after all these years, do you still get nervous before you perform? You know, and he said, I get nervous enough to perform. And I thought, that's brilliant. Because as a sportsman, you've got to be nervous enough. Once you don't have any nerves, you sort of you lose that edge. Mm. But you don't want to be racked with pain, and you know where it kills you, sort of thing. Where you, you know, it just takes all the energy out of you because you're that nervous. So I think you've got to be able to handle the the nervous energy and uh, and learn your trade, learn how you know part of it. I used to enjoy the walk to the ring because. It, it were over then, you know, things, uh, you, the waiting was over, yeah. you know, they would get on with it then, you know, and, uh, mm. you know, win, try and <laughs> best you can, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that, that did me good in the rugby, yeah, because mm. the rugby thing, you know, I still got nervous, nervous enough to perform and all of a sudden though, I had another 12 or 13 mates Mm. to blame it on <laughs> yeah. if, if it went wrong it went my fault <laughs> I'm always joking but you have mates there to share the you know share the experience with when you walk into a boxing ring you're walking on your own and there's no one else you know when that bell goes you know there's no one else that obviously goes in with you you know yeah. so yeah it taught me a lot it taught me honesty and like you know it taught me to Honesty with myself because there's all you knows if you've given it a hundred percent and you know and if you if you're doing it right and you can try and kid people and but you're only kidding yourself really and it's like uh, it teaches respect as well you know for you you know you, these people you come up and you fight against you know I mean one or two of them you knock out and you, you know you've won because it were a knockout. Mm. But one or two, you might win on points, and you know you haven't really beaten because, like John Fury, for instance, I won on points. But I think John would have carried on fighting all night <laughs> if you know <laughs> if uh, if there hadn't been like six rounds, you know. Mm. So yeah, it teaches you honesty, it teaches you respect, you know, and it, it teaches you stuff about yourself, you know, being able to. Uh, Go through it, you know, get through it. Mm. I watching. I don't know if you watched it the other night. Tyson, the Tyson and uh, fight. You know, after fifteen, what it's like fifteen years of not being in a ring. Oh yeah. And I watched. I watched him being interviewed, and he said the part about becoming a great is being able to handle fear, being scared. Mm. You know, and that's Tyson. You know, everyone thinks, oh, <laughs> maniac, kill. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he was scared, like everyone else is. You know, we can all pretend to be as macho as anything, but, you know, if you ain't scared, you, you're not in the right place. Because, <laughs> you know, Muhammad Ali, all these great fighters, you know, they don't go into the ring 100%, I don't think, like anyone, like knowing that they're going to win. Mm -hmm. You know, they have that belief that they are, and 
you know, the fear, to be able to get over the fear. They reckon that, like with Muhammad Ali, there were sparring partners that used to make him look bad. But then sparring partners couldn't do it on the night, like Ali could do it on the night, obviously, all-time great. You know, he could do it on the night because he could he could handle the pressure, the situation better, mm. you know. So, yeah. and I suppose that's part of learning how to become a, a sportsman in any sport, whether it's rugby, football, mm. boxing, you know, you've got to be able to go out there and put everything else out of your mind, the fans, the shouting, you know. Mm. The fear, the winner losing, you know, the embarrassment and, yeah. and be able to cope with that. Yeah, absolutely. It's got to come from within and yeah. not not being, yeah, too, uh, you know, put off by the crowd, definitely. Um, yeah. So, yeah, brilliant. Um, if we could just move on to, the, to to your rugby career then and just, just talk a bit about that, if that's okay, Matt. Yeah, well, you know, I came from a rugby league background. My dad played for Halifax, played for Wigan, played for Rochdale, and he toured with Great Britain to Australia. So my dad was a great rugby, rugby league player. And I grew up around that environment, you know, rugby players and rugby players' kids and, you know, playing around back of stands. And, you know, and uh, so when, when I decided, like, you know, we're going to have 12 months off from boxing and... I'd wait for my contract to run out because the trouble I had with Terry and Mickey was I had like 14 or 15 months left of a contract and they wanted me to sign another one. And I thought, well, it's not right until my contract runs out and then I'll sign one. Mm. So I decided not to. I thought I'll have 14 months out and go and, uh, you know, play rugby league. Yeah. So I think, well, I'll keep me fit. And so I signed on at Halifax and uh, all of a sudden, like, you know, I'm 21 year old and I've got like, 20 odd mates all of a sudden to train with and have a laugh with and you know you had to train back then like Tuesday night Thursday night Saturday morning play Sunday you were out on Sunday night having a drink with lads and you know it was like a different world it was brilliant you know so uh, I played at Halifax you know then I got signed by St Helens and you know it was just like a different world like I say all of a sudden I had a load of mates teammates and uh I decided I could not to go back to boxing, which weren't an hard decision, really. You know, all of a sudden, I'm in a, I'm in a sport where I've got pals and not as much pressure, you know. Mm. So it's not a single uh, sport sort of pressure. And so, yeah, I played at Halifax and uh, then I went to St. Helens. We won a Super League medal with St. Helens. And mm. then I finished there on a few games at Warrington and a few games at Keithley. But then, I just lost interest, really. I think they were more on me acting by that stage, and right. you know, it weren't, uh, it wasn't exciting me anymore. Right. You know, running out on a rugby pitch, so mm. it came to an end. Yeah. So you say you, you kind of lost interest there with with the with the rugby. How how did the how did acting come into the the equation for you then? Well, I was lucky when I was boxing with Terry Lawless and Mickey Duff. Uh, Warner Brothers made a film called The Power of One, and it was starring uh, Sir John Gielgud and Morgan Freeman and Stephen Dorff. And they were looking, they were looking for a white heavyweight boxer to play this South African heavyweight champion, Andres Milan. So I, uh, you know, the the John Avildsen came to the boxing gym and uh, filmed me sparring and that and training and gave me the part you know and I didn't know at the time but John Avildsen directed Rocky 1 Rocky 3 mm. and later on went on to direct Rocky 5 right so like uh, I never knew that you know right. and he gave me this part to play this South African heavyweight champion he said we'll send you for a I only had about four like lines in it sort of thing I had to say no more brother no more let it be let it be you know and uh, they said, we'll send you to a voice coach to learn it. You know, I said, oh, all right, imagine. This was like months. This was like a month beforehand. So they were giving me voice coaching lessons for a month. They said, so I went for the first day and this fellow answered the door at this house. He said, come in, mate. You know, and I gave him, delivered these lines. And he gave me a few tips. He says, that'll do. He says, you'll get away with that. He says, uh, don't tell them you're not coming back. He said, you know, then we'll both get paid and you'll be all right. <laughs> so... First day of filming, like, you know, I went on set and uh, came to my, like, lines and they went action and I ran over and uh, split this fight up that was, uh, 
between Stephen Dorff and uh, the James Bond, who's James Bond now, bloody hell. Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig, it was Daniel Craig's first film. Right. And then I had to split him up and I delivered the lines, no more, no more, let it be, brother, let it be, you know. And they said, cut. And John Avildsen said, I don't like that. He said, uh, it sounds too much like the Beatles song. He says, we'll change that. We'll come back to this scene and move on. You know, I thought, change it. That's all a bit I've learned in, in South Africa, you know, so I was a bit, bit nervous. But anyway, they changed, I got away with it and, and I got the bug, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I was looking because we filmed at a, a school, a really uh, posh school in London called Charter House, but it were like there were about 20 of us ex- uh, boxers there. Errol Christie was one of them and another lad called Scrap Iron Ryan. And they, they both, obviously, Errol Christie were a great fighter and Scrap Iron Ryan went on to become a, a, a good fighter and a well-known name in the boxing game. So, like, we had, like, weeks just all together messing about, playing football, and it like being like being at Butlins, really, <laughs> in between making a film, you know. So it was a great experience, and that's where I got the bug, you know, and uh, I just kept it going from there, bits here, bits there. You know, one of my uh, bits I did after that were Coronation Street, where I had to walk on and uh, beat Jack Duckworth up because he'd been got mixed up for his brother who run up some gambling debts, you know. And <laughs> so that that went out when I was playing for Halifax. And then everywhere I went after that, the, playing rugby, the crowd used to shout, Vera's going to get you, Vera's going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> all, all from Jack Duckworth, you know. He was great, he was a lovely fella, great to work with. But, yeah. um, you know, yeah, really even down. Though you, even though you beat him up? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he had to have it, and he shouldn't have been up the debts. But a uh, really nice fella, you know. Yeah. Looked at me, took me to one side on the morning when I arrived there. Like, you know, he says, Come on, lad, he said, I'll show you how you carry on around here. And he took me right back to this, like, burger stand where they had they all got bacon butties from and, you know, <laughs> breakfast. Yeah. So I got, I got a sandwich and went and sat down. And he says, uh, Whatever they offer you on this, take it. So how we're always supposed to be here for a week. So look, so me and I twenty years later. So, so whatever they offer you, take it. What are going to do anyway? I just want them to offer me something, you know. <laughs> but uh, they never did. Yeah. Great yeah. experience, you know. Yeah. So just just a quick one there, mate. Well, so it's quite obvious that you've you know you've not just done one thing in life. You've been able to switch over to different kind of things, different paths. So yeah. I guess, I guess you know, I think some people think in life that that you're made for one path, and you're kind of living proof that you can you can actually adapt. And you know, if something's not serving you, you can get on to the next path. Um, yeah. What What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I've been lucky. I think I've been very lucky that number one, the first path I was lucky that my mum and dad got behind me and supported me and made it. You know help me at the start get going you know I think that's a big uh, a big bonus to have when someone supports you that way but I, I've always been a dreamer I think you know to be totally honest like I say if I'm going to be a boxer I, I'm going to be the heavyweight champion of the world you know and if I'm going to be an actor I'm going to be an airlister in Hollywood and you know it's <laughs> I'm, I'm living in Huddersfield but, uh, <laughs> You know, the dreams, the dreams, you know, you set off. And so I suppose it helps if you can dream and, you know, and get the chance. But you got to work. It's not not, it's not it's handed to you, you know what I mean? It's like the boxing career sort of thing. You lose, your career's over sort of thing. It was lucky that I got the wins and I got Terry Lawless and Mickey Duff interested in me and all of a sudden their connections in the film world. So, yeah, I don't think, you know... I don't think anything's mapped out for anybody. Mm. I think you've got to uh, put your mind to it and your heart and soul to it. And I don't care. I mean, yeah, mine were boxing and then rugby league, then acting. And uh, so I suppose they're exciting sort of things. But even if it's just being, a, you know, the best joiner or the best plumber or, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, whatever floats your boat, whatever you, yeah. you've got to put the time and effort in, haven't you? But no, no, it's mapped out for you. I think. Yeah. You know, you need that lucky break 
somewhere down the line. Yeah, you know, someone to help or point you in the right direction. It's always that old saying: it's you know, it's who you know, not what you know. But you got to make them connections. I remember, you know, when I was playing rugby as a kid, like I became very good friends with uh, Jack Gibson, who in Australia was a rugby league coach, a very very famous rugby league coach. And Jack once, you know, managed me a little bit in my boxing career. I had two or three fights out in Australia. Mm. And Jack were a really well-known, really well-known uh, character out there. And uh, Jack said, I can open doors for you, but you've got to keep them open. Mm. And I thought, you know, I like all these little sayings like that. where yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Because it's true, you know, someone might open a door for you, but there's all you can, you know, keep yeah. it open. And, yeah, yeah. You know, whether it's sport or anything in life, you know, I think people can give up too easy. Mm. Yeah. I think yeah. it all just depends on what you want it. Yeah. And how, how, what lengths you're willing to go to to achieve it, you know. Mm-hmm. All these world famous sportsmen like I don't know how they and you know, they had to keep going. They had to have that belief to get started, but to keep going. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just think it's you gotta have that belief that yeah. you want to do it and you know you're willing to do anything to do it. Do you think that you have to have a passion for, for what you're doing? Without a doubt, I think. You know, I mean, the boxing, I said before, looking back, I don't think I ever really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think it was a... But it was somewhere where I thought I'm, I might make it good, I might be good at this. You know, I had the hunger for it. You know, it's, it's it's weird because I'm 51 year old now, and I'm a different, totally different person to what I was when I was 17, 18. Yeah. You know, it's you know, it'd been a waste of life if if I wasn't really. You know, I still had the same thoughts as what I had, but I had a belief then that I could do anything that you know I really wanted to. Yeah. And if I put my mind to it, and if I put the effort in, you know, that I could uh, possibly do it. Mm. You know, but I also think a little bit of luck helps. You know, yeah. being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, you know, I've, it can help as well. You get the little breaks. I've got a little because you said you like sayings. I've just one popped into my head there when you're talking about luck. Now I heard someone talk about luck as being when preparation meets opportunity. So there's yeah, yeah. there's one for you. Rather, no, it's, it's rather, rather than just putting it down to luck, I think it is. You know, you can prepare, and it's just about getting the right opportunity. No, no, it's brilliant. Will saying that, yeah. and looking back on my career now, when I think about it, the boxing side, you know, I had three fights in England, then I had three fights in Australia, mm. and I won. You know, I won. I was six and zero. Oh. Then I came back to England, and me and my dad went to London, and Frank Bruno were in his prime, like you know boxing then and Gary Mason were British champ and Horace Notice and we went to the Canning Town gym where they all trained where Terry Lawless trained them and they were the big names in the sport then and you know my dad took me in there sort of thing you know we asked if we could spar and uh, Terry Lawless said no 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 you know I'm thinking I've had six fights and you know experienced <laughs> but I think they'd have half killed me you know because there's a difference between the top level and the the, the learning level yeah. and he said no no he says uh, go away he said have a few more fights he says and uh, see how you do he said and come back you know so I went away and five or six maybe more fights and then uh, I got the call if I wanted to go as a sparring partner to him range to spar with Gary Mason, who Terry Lawless managed, and you know, was he was the British champion, yeah. and he was preparing for a fight, you know, to defend his English title. So I got invited down to this Henlow Grange Health Farm and uh, sparring with Gary Mason. Like going back to before about preparation and preparing, you know, I thought I was uh, good, as in I thought I'd fought some good people and. And I am really, you know, because once Gary Mason hit me mm. in the first sparring session with a jab, and like, you know, it was like stepping up, it was like stepping up in from amateur rugby to professional rugby sort of thing. Mm. Everything changed. I realised, wow, you know what I mean? This is this yeah. is another level sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I suppose at that point I could have got out of the ring and said, stuff this, I'm off, or <laughs> you knuckle know, down. 
yeah. you knuckle down and uh, you ride it out and you learn how to keep out of the way of them sort of punches and mm. you know and all of a sudden you, you go up in standard you know and you realize what the top level's about sort of thing the difference in power speed and the stamina and you either work hard to achieve that and get up to that level or get out you know yeah. so yeah. yeah it's not a there is a lot of effort goes into it you know yeah. it's easy probably now as a 51 year old to forget what you put in and what hours and training wise and mm. you know but looking back that were a big step up in class and a big realization point in my career that People have been fighting pretty much like me, raw novices, and all of a sudden this British champ has showed you the new level that you've got to either get to or, you know, get out. Yeah, wicked. Nice. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, moving on to um, the the acting side of things, like you could list some of the movies they've been in, like Snatch and Mean Machine, uh, too. Like Snatch is one of my favourite films. Like, it's awesome. Classic. Yeah. Um, but like, have you ever gone for a role and they've just not not given you? Know, you've been like, well, I'm perfect for it, and like, you know, you've just been knocked back, and it's like, oh, oh loads more than I've ever got. Yeah, you know, you don't get everything uh, everything you go for. You know what I mean? It's it's one of them. Yeah, you know, I've had a lot of trips to London on the train where you know to meet different casting directors. And the funny thing is, you know, you think you're getting somewhere in that game, you know, like Snatch. And uh, I did a film called Greenfingers, where I was one of the main characters with Ellen Mirren and Clive Owen and David Kelly and Danny Dyer, you know, playing four prisoners that get made to prison, uh, get made in prison to guard. That's that's, that's it there behind me, funny enough. uh, All right, yeah, there we go. And, uh, you know, so that was a great break for me because all of a sudden I'm playing a main character in a movie with all these huge names. Mm. And uh, unfortunately, it got released the day before September 11th, you know, when the Twin Towers went down. So there was no all the hype or coverage or to promote the film just got washed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it didn't go anywhere. No one yeah. ever heard of it. And then from that, I got Snatch, you know, because uh, Trudy Styler, Sting's wife, was the one who did Green Fingers, the producer of Green Fingers, and one of the producers of Snatch. And yeah. So you think you're getting somewhere, and, you know, it's it's not a game that you're in control of. It's not like the fight game where, you know, you can shout and ball that you want to fight the best out there, and, you know, you might get your shot. Mm. You know, whereas the film game, it's just you're just relying on other people to say, boom, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's who we want. Yeah. You know, and that lucky break like Coronation Street or something like that, where you know you could do it for the next twenty years, sort of thing, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you do, you know, you, there's a saying: you're better off being lucky than good in the acting game because you, there's a lot of great actors out there mm. not working. You know yeah. what I mean? Sort of thing. Yeah. And not had that lucky break where they've just landed the right part. Yeah. You know, so but it's a game that I love. You know, I've, I, when people every now and then people ask me, you know, what, what, why do you do it? Well, so it's like playing cowboys and Indians. You know, when you're, when you're fifty, mm. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't get locked up for it. You're allowed to play cowboys and Indians as long as there's a camera yeah. filming you. <laughs> yeah, but, I like that one. You know, it's. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I left school, but I know I didn't want to be just going to work and not doing something that I loved, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think whatever you do in life, if you can say that you you love doing what you're doing, it's mm. it's a bonus, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to take it to that that setback you had there though. You know, you said you've you got your main part in, in this film Green Fingers and it didn't take off for whatever reason. And and a lot of people at that point, you know, they might think Oh, this you know, I've tried my best and that's it now. But, you know, obviously from that you get you get your next role, which is snatch. So that I think there's just a lesson in that that, you know, even if you do think that it's over, you, you just don't know what's around the corner. You just gotta keep pushing on and then obviously that comes for you the in snatch. Yeah. And you know, it's one of them as well. I've been lucky, you know, to do the parts I've done, you know. I've been very lucky because I never went to acting school and I haven't really studied 
like a lot of these kids do, you know. Yeah. So a lot of kids have died to have played the parts that I've played, and I've been lucky in a way to get them more through, you know, coming from sport, getting the first bit, then just being in the right place, having the right look and that they were looking for, you know. But being there, there's loads of people that could have played Gorgeous George, probably, you know. It was just I got the call to go and have the interview. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, it's... Uh, you know, like I say, it is a lot of luck, but, you know, it's one of them when you say, you know, you give it up. I think once you've got the bug, it's like anything, you know, you can't give it up. It's like, I don't know, you know, if you've got the bug for acting, you know, you say, oh, I've had enough of it, whatever. But then if someone rings your door and says, you fancy doing something next week in this film? You say, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden you get the bug again, you know. it's yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and you can do it. It's not like sport, is it? You know, it's... Uh, it's not like you have to be match fit, you know, but mm. I think, like I say, you've got to, once you get the bug, you're not good. Yeah, you're in. You're in. You're in. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, it's lucky that, you know, it must be horrible to have the bug and have nothing else going for you, you know, relying yeah. on it. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm lucky I've got a couple of nice little fish and chip shops that, you know, yeah. Keep me busy, keep me uh, going. But you know, to just sit back waiting for a telephone to ring, I think you mm. like Hollywood. All these kids that get on a bus and go to Hollywood, thinking they're going to make it and get the lucky break, and mm. thousands of them, and thousands of them don't. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. yeah. So no, it's uh, it's definitely a lovely thing. It's something you get under your skin, and mm. you just want to do it. Yeah. So gorgeous, George. Then well, let's. Uh... Let's talk about Gorgeous George, your, your role in Snatch and how that come about then, if, if that's all right, bud. Yeah, well, I, I was lucky. Like I say, I got the, I went for an audition for Greenfingers and Trudy Styler was the producer who Sting's wife of Greenfingers. Mm-hmm. And I did that part and, you know, did really well. It came across, you know, they, they loved it. And uh, she put me forward because she was the executive producer on Snatch to play this character, Gorgeous George, mm. which at the time I never put two and two together, you know, but uh, I got called down to have a meeting with Guy Ritchie and uh, go through the, the script, you know, my character. And uh, the next thing, you know, I've got all my fingers and toes crossed thinking, you know, I'd love to get this part, you know, Brad Pitt's in it and all these different stars. Yeah. And then I got the call, it's yours, you know, and I thought, brilliant, here we go, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden you're thrown into that a different world, you know. There's Guy Ritchie who at the time was dating Madonna and yeah. Brad Pitt and he was dating Jennifer Anderson, you know. And yeah. You're thrown into that world of uh, Hollywood, you know, for a short time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's exciting. It's, you know, it's something you love doing, mm. you know. And like I say, you, you know, it's it's different. It's not. It's like say you like it's like being a kid. You're allowed to be a kid, you know. Play cowboys and Indians and have a laugh and a joke, and mm. you know it's somewhat. It's hard to explain. Besides saying that, you know, what I mean, you know, you yeah. don't get up. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's funny. It's you don't get up in a, a morning thinking, "Oh God, I've got to go and do this." You know, it's something you love. It's something you want to do, and yeah. and you're doing it with the best in the world, really. Mm. Yeah. What were Brad Pitt like then? What were what were you great like with him? No, brilliant. Really down to earth. Like, you know, I mean, uh, people don't realise he, he these big stars like Brad Pitt, they bring them in, they do say the filming, it's gonna take three months. Well, they bring the big stars in, in the first month and get as many of their shots out of the way. Yeah. You know, because then they can go on to the next film or whatever they're doing, you know, they just sort of put them in there and get them out. So Brad was only there about six weeks and he had a going away party. You know, he threw a private going away party in a hotel in, in London and I went down to it and uh, it it was very dark worth. You forgot who he was. You know, we had a lot of laughs filming it, you know, but he didn't have any edge to him. But then you realise, like he told me, he said, I never made it in this game until I was 26. You know, he'd done all sorts of jobs in Hollywood. And he got his first big break when he was 26 in Thelma and Louise. Mm. And it actually went on from there. So he were grounded, you know. Mm. It weren't like he'd been a young kid and just 
coming to it through family or background. They've been driving around delivering pizzas and I think driving around strippers and stuff like that, you know, you know, we're trying to <laughs> keep afloat. So no, it was great, it was dark worth, it was good fun and uh and like one of the lads that worked with him, his bodyguard said he's really enjoying being over here. He says because in Hollywood they clap them on set, they clap them off set, you know, they kiss the backsides. He said, whereas over here we're doing snatch, you were uh, just treat like one of the lads. You don't get me wrong, you were very well looked after, but you know, like people like Vinnie and Statham and all these other characters, like we were playing. Uh, chess and, and speed chess in between, you know, <laughs> just to have days on because it was a bit of fun and you know, and uh, you know, so it, we were involved in a, a group and they'd all been in lockstock, so you know they were all used to each other and a bit of fun. I think he enjoyed it because he could go back to him being how he was before he became super famous and have a laugh with a group of lads and you know. Yeah, that was a great experience. It was good. Mm. Brilliant. Mm. Yeah. So obviously after that, you you go on to to do like Meme Machine and you've done yeah. Mm. Um, Legend as well with with Tom Hardy. Yeah. Which, uh, which I was just watching before we come down here. Actually, you've got a very interesting role in that one as well. <laughs> I think yeah. I think I was just watching it. Um, uh, it's, it's close to the opening scene, and and you sat in the the room with a psychiatrist, aren't you? Talking yeah, about, yeah. Talking about crushing someone to a pulp, I think it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what was that one like? Legend. Yeah, brilliant. You know, the director, great director. Yeah, he wrote it as well, and you know that part is actually. You know, it's a true story. Obviously, it's the Prey Twins yeah. and the characters that they had around them, and. Uh, that's a true story because back then, you know, they, they sprung, I think it was Reggie from, uh, or Roddy, whichever one it was, from the uh, mental institution. Mm-hmm. And back then, the law was if you could stay out of trouble for a certain amount of time, they couldn't say, they couldn't send you back saying you were mental, you know what I mean? Because you managed to stay out of trouble. So uh, that actually happened, you know, they sent one of the heavies, me, to... Uh, yeah to the uh, fellow who made the decision whether Ronnie or Reggie were mental, you know, and put the frighteners on him. So, uh, you know, uh, I enjoyed it, you know, great, great fun doing that as well. Like, you know, Tom Hardy with a good, good sense of humour and, uh, yeah. you know, got to meet one or two of the actual uh, fellows that were involved with the craze, you know, they they right. came on sets on different days. Yeah. You know, and, uh, actually met the actual fellas that people were playing, you know, in the movie. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Quite, did you, quite did interesting. You meet the guy, did you meet the guy who you were playing then? No, no. The funny thing is the fellow I were playing were actually Scottish and no one knows what happened to him. He was one of the only ones that didn't get sent down. You know, I think he disappeared back up to Scotland or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, no, I didn't get to meet him. and I don't think there's been much, you know, news of him. Since right. he, uh, you know, went back in the seventies or sixties, yeah. yeah. so uh, no, I never got to meet him. Mm. It might have been a good thing. Might not have been uh, happy someone playing him with a Yorkshire accent. When it was <laughs> 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 might not have been too happy about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there were quite a few we did meet. Mm. So, so you've obviously you've, you've mixed with some absolute. You know, superstars here. You're talking best of the best. Um, can you can you kind of single single one out that you think you know that he's he's something else or she's something else? And kind of what what did you learn from these guys? No, I learned off every one of them. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's one of them sort of things, especially when you've not been to acting school like myself. You know, you're just watching them. And, you know the stuff they do. Tom Hardy were great. You know, because my first scene with Tom were stood at a bar and uh, he said, right, let's run it a few times and see, you know, see what happens. So run the lines. He said, let's run the lines a few times. So there's three of us stood there and uh, we're running these lines. And he's not doing all Tom, he's not moving and neither is the other fella. And then he said, right, okay, that sounds, that's good. So right, let's uh, add the bits in. So we run the lines again and all of a sudden Tom's lit a fag. 
puts it down, you know, and starts putting movements into it, you know, like, and he did a couple of movements, you know, that made it look more uh, natural, what you might do, you know, like I say, just flag, put it in an ashtray, had a drink. But what you got to do then is every time you do a take, you got to do the exact same thing. So, you know, that were some of the, I thought, oh, that's good, I like that. You know, you pick up different things off everyone. Yeah. One, uh, one of the videos I used to watch were Michael Caine's uh, video. He did it, um, uh, a video called Masterclass that taught you how to act in feature films. And there are loads of great tips in that, like, you know, because it's all about camera angles and camera distances and stuff like that. So if you're walking into a room and they want you to stop in a certain position, that's because the camera angle and the zoom is set to that position. And if you don't get it, you're out of focus. You know, if you don't stop on the exact right spot. So, like, one of the things you know, I learned from that is wherever the spot is, you know, you stand on that spot and then go backwards, saying your lines. So, you know, you sort of... And then wherever you you know how many steps and it is to hit that spot, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So say you go backwards four steps, saying your lines, and then say, right, actually, you come forward four steps, you know you've hit the spot. Yeah. But it's all little tips. Yeah. Like, you know, that you learn like that, and you learn off off the best. Mm. Uh, you know, it's just, you never stop learning, really. That's it. I think, uh, like anything in life, I think, if you can find someone who's who's been there and done it and, and got the T-shirt, I think that's definitely the best way to learn. Yeah. Definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, like I say, it is. It's uh, you know, they say about acting, it's the more natural you can make it, mm. the better it is. You know, yeah. yeah. You know, it's just one of them. You you go out there and you do your best and you learn. And like that, like I say, that video from Michael King's like the Bible to me. Yeah. You know, because there's so many great tips on it. And, you know, for screen acting especially, but then it's totally different to stage acting, you know, because people are further away and you don't get to uh, retake, you know, on stage. So, yeah. Yeah, I've been lucky. I've worked with some great, you know, great actors, big names. And, uh, you know, I think... Uh, from where I came from, what can you say? It's yeah. I've been lucky, lucky that I got to do that. Yeah, there's not many, there's not many people from you know our area that can say you know I've I've mixed it with these type of guys. So yeah. you, you've definitely uh, done something right there, big man. Yeah, yeah, like I say, it's uh, you better be lucky than good sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, moving on from just coming up to like obviously where you're up to now in terms of like you obviously you're still pursuing acting. Yeah, yeah, it comes yes. and goes. It comes and still wanted to do that. But what else have you got going on? So obviously you mentioned the fish and chip shops, and um, but is there anything else you've got going on business wise? Or no, not at the moment. I'm uh, quite happy with that. I'm involved with Bradford Bulls. You know, I'm one of the uh, rugby league club. I'm one of the uh, shareholders there. We've been getting it back on its feet. You know, me and a couple of other fellas. So that's exciting. I enjoy doing that. You know, it's my family background. We've uh, we've just put his application in to try and join Super League. I don't know if you follow rugby league, but at the moment there's one spot going yeah. to uh, join Super League that, uh, that the Toronto Wolfpack were uh, thrown out. So, uh, all right. right, we've had to add. Uh, we've put our application in today. Funny enough, mm. so it'll be exciting to see who gets that. Yeah. Whether it's you know. I've actually, I've actually got a, a bull's top on right now, if you can see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little small screen here. Are you a, a, bulls, a bulls fan? I, 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 we're both footballers as, as, as cells, but my, my brother's a big uh, rugby league fan. He plays for Siddle, and uh, oh yeah, we, we used to uh, we used to actually have season tickets down at Rafa Bulls uh, yeah. when when you were, when they were back at Od, down at Oddsell. Yeah, well, we're trying to get them back there now. We're uh, right. in talks, in talks with the council. It's looking pretty, uh, yeah, pretty good. You know, yeah. we're uh, we're also in talks with the speedway. You remember they used to have speedway in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, uh, what they call it, racing the cars, racing round. Yeah, the they used to uh, pull in. They used to pull in some right crowds back in there, didn't they? There, big, big, yeah, yeah. And they're, uh, we're in talks to bring them back as well. So fingers crossed, it all comes to fruition. And uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely. You know, we'll uh, get them back. 
I'm sure. I'm sure. I won't, tell, I won't tell you who I'm a fan of uh, Super League fans, so we'll leave that out, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm a Leeds Rhinos fan. Leeds Rhinos. Yeah. Yeah. They're the team to emulate, aren't they? The, uh, the yeah. ground there and yeah. Gary, uh, Gary Hetherington, who's run it's been brilliant for rugby league, you know, from his Sheffield Eagles days when he, you know, he got them up and going and they did brilliant. They went to Wembley and, yeah. you know, he's done a, a fantastic job there at Leeds. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think all other teams like Bradford Bulls are, you know, that's the standard we all are trying to get up to. Well, I'm, I'm sure with uh, someone like yourself uh, leading the charge, I think they'll be they'll be back there in in no time. Definitely. Yeah. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Either that or uh, <laughs> bankrupt. <laughs> no, we're going in the right direction. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Well, that's uh, we're, we're coming coming up towards the end there. Um, well, just a few more. Yeah, it's nice. It's been a, been a pleasure. Thanks for yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, just a couple more questions, mate. If that's all right, and then then we'll we'll wrap it up. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'd just like to ask people that, that come on, it if you can, if you, give us a fact about yourself that that most people won't know, if you can. <laughs> I have a fits and starts of writing songs. Right. Yeah. Okay. Song lyrics. Right. Right. I like every now and then to uh, sit down and uh, you know try and write songs. Right. I've not had anyone there uh, wanting to sing them though. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, that's a bit of a hobby that no one would know about me. Yes, I, I can sense a, a new a new uh, little career coming on there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't say I could sing. I just felt like that. Mind you, when I've had a few, when I've had a few beers, if it's a karaoke around, I think I'm Elvis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Nice. Um, right. If if you had the if you had the power to invite anyone into this chat with us right now, and they could be dead or alive, uh, who would you choose and why? Uh, there's a lot of a lot of different ones, isn't there? Mm. Uh. Elvis. Elvis Presley. Yeah. That would be a good one. What's your reason oh, for Because I know my favourite karaoke song, Suspicious Minds. <laughs> <laughs> no. As a kid, you know, even now, I, I used to think he was great, Elvis. I'd like to ask him where it all, why it all went wrong. You know, where, you know I mean, we were only, what, 40? I don't think he very young when he yeah. died, isn't he? You know, yeah, yeah. why it all went wrong and... You know, it's uh, I don't know. It's a funny question. Isn't it? Like, there's probably a, when I've put the phone down in a bit, and there's probably like twenty other people I probably asked before him. I don't know. You know, it's yeah. We'll go with the first one. First one in your head. We'll tackle that. That's, yeah, no, Elvis. Uh, yeah. I'm an Elvis fan, and uh, I'd like to know why it went wrong. And you know, yeah. Yeah, and then just to finish on final question. So for anyone starting out. In, in boxing or just uh, acting or whatever, uh, if you could give them a, a, you know, a bit of advice to, to start with, what, what would you give them? Keep your chin down in boxing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> try hard. Just keep trying. Don't let it put you off. Yeah. Go out of your way. Go out of your way to go places and learn. Make, you know, join clubs or... You know, because a lot of these clubs get to meet directors and casting directors and, you know, join a little amateur setup, yeah. you know, whatever. But just keep going, keep trying, keep writing letters to people. You know, a lot of these people, I think people stand off them a bit, you know, like the thinking the gods or, you know, they can't contact them or, you know, they won't. But I've heard stories like where people have just wrote to me and said, can I come on and be a runner, you know, which is like going and get this, go and get that sort of thing. You know, I know on Snatch they had, like, different lads and ladies doing that. You know, but all of a sudden the meeting, you're meeting the people you need to be around and, you know, if they take a liking to you, all of a sudden, you know, you never know where it might lead. Just put your foot in every door and try and keep it open, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
sound advice. Yeah. Thank you very much for that, pal. Yeah, yeah that's that brings thanks it to you. an end. Yeah, thanks, thanks for thanks for joining us, mate. And uh, we, we wish you all. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, do you work in the in the fish and chip shop or? I am chief tester. That's the only job chief I have there. Is going in. <laughs> like, right. that's, you, why, that's why I'm looking so fat. I keep going <laughs> in and testing the chips and the fish and. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't work behind. Not unless there's a real emergency where someone yeah. hasn't turned in. Yeah. But uh, I'm in. I'm in the Halifax one quite a bit at the moment because it's new, I'm in and out, and you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I like I like being around them. I like being there. Really, in a way, it's uh, something to do, and I like the people that work there. And yeah, yeah. You know, just yeah, nice. yeah. We'll, be, we'll be sure to call in ourselves and uh, yeah, come and see us, lads. Come and see us, and then yeah. you can give us a good plug. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And you're welcome well, down here. Yeah. Welcome down here. Yeah, anytime you want a nice coffee, come and come and grab one. Yes. Where? Which? Where? Where are you? So we're in the centre of Halifax. Um, it's just by uh, Harvey's in town. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I'll that picture behind you is that. That's Biggie Smalls. Biggie. Yeah, that's Biggie Smalls himself. Yeah, he'd be a good one to bring back and chat to, wouldn't he? He would, yeah, Definitely absolutely. Would. Yeah, that, they had a bit of a <laughs> short lives, didn't they? And him and Tupac, and and, and quite, all quite sad, really, isn't it? For the, the town, yeah. and that's I've never really been into that music, but mm. the uh, you know, obviously, I've watched the documentaries, and a lot of people are, aren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. achieved so much in so little time, didn't they? And, uh, yeah. Did you watch the the boxing the other night with Snoop Dogg singing before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's common to a brilliant, wasn't it? Uh, it were um it was, it was said it said something like it's it's like two of my uncles fighting at the barbecue or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't hear much of his commentary, but that song yeah. that he was singing before and I thought, Jesus, yeah. how'd you get away with that? <laughs> You'd have been sent to prison for singing that back in the sixties, wouldn't you? You would, yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah. Right, mate. So, right, well, I'll come, we'll come down and see all three of you sometime. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, top man. See you. All the best. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Right. Thanks for listening to another inspiring self-made story, and we hope you enjoyed the show. We would be very grateful if you could kindly leave us a review as it will help us impact a wider audience. You can do this on iTunes, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to reach out on the socials, find us across all platforms using at the Self Made Minds Podcast. See you next time and happy success making.